Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our reading today is from Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. You may locate this text in your pew Bible on page 922. First, let us prepare our hearts to hear God's word. Dear God, thank you so much for being with us. When we read your word, we remember that your Holy Spirit is in this room and in our hearts. Help us to understand your scripture and live it out in our lives. Amen. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many, many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he rearranged his sight and followed him on the way. The grass wither, withers and the flower and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Well, I have a confession. It's New Year's Day. And as Christians, we are people of hope. And I have a very love-hate relationship with that very hopeful thing that is the New Year's resolution. Resolutions are easy to love because they're full of possibility. We dare to hope this will be the year I finally lose those 20 pounds. We dare to hope this will be the year we get our finances in order. We dare to hope we'll finally clean out those closets, not to mention the basement. We dare to hope we'll actually make time to pray every day. We dare to hope we'll find true and lasting love. As the poet Rainer Maria Rilke says, let us welcome a new year full of things that have never been. Full of things that have never been. I could live right there in all that possibility. 
And the realistic part of me remembers that I've made enough New Year's resolutions to know they don't often stick and can easily become one more thing I hoped would happen but did not. So I've begun to think less about resolutions, those lofty do's and don'ts, I wills and I won'ts. And I've begun to think more about the deeper longings that lie underneath those resolutions. Bartimaeus is a man who's lost his eyesight. And when we meet him, as Trauber just read, he's living the life of a beggar. He's sitting on the side of the road. He hears the crowd coming, and he knows Jesus is in it. His longing for sight is clear and deep. Blindness is what keeps him from participating in society. And not only that, it keeps him from a sense of belonging. He cries out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the crowd tries to shush him. But Bartimaeus, there's a longing in his voice, something clear and compelling. The next thing he knows, Jesus himself is asking for him. Bartimaeus springs up, throwing off his cloak, which was likely his only possession, and the crowd leads him to Jesus. He hears Jesus say to him, what do you want me to do for you? And with all the clarity of someone desperate for new life, Bartimaeus says, let me see again. Jesus restores his sight, and Bartimaeus, we are told, follows him on the way. Scripture offers us story after story like this, people who open their hearts to God, people who say yes, people who drop everything and follow. And of course, in the Christmas story, the magi, the wise ones who travel from the east, follow a star to the tiny town of Bethlehem, where they find the baby Jesus. After days and nights of travel, they're led to bow down and pay him homage, offering not only the most costly material gifts, but the most precious gift of all, their very hearts. All they knew when they started their journey, these astronomers who study the heavens night after night, all they knew was a star, a star that was different a star which compelled them, like Bartimaeus, to drop everything and follow. The field of psychology has long recognized that one of our deepest needs is to be loved and to belong. In fact, love and belonging are as great a need for the human body as water and food and shelter. When I was a hospital chaplain serving in neonatal intensive care, I was dismayed to learn of a diagnosis called failure to thrive. The babies I visited who had this diagnosis had often been abandoned. 
No family visited to hold them and rock them, to love them or offer a place of belonging in the world they'd just entered. Failure to thrive is a condition of isolation, and it can impact not only babies, but older adults and other vulnerable people. It can even become a cause of death. So deep is our human need for touch and love and belonging. When it comes to our spiritual lives, I wonder if failure to thrive might be a thing too. Not just our bodies, but our souls yearn to be known and held and tended. So often, though, we walk through the world putting our souls on the back burner, don't we? As so many other things take priority, the obligations of work and family, our bizarre need to be busy, the addictiveness of technology, the list goes on. We often see tending our souls as optional, not as essential. So I wonder, this new year, what are the deeper longings of your soul as you enter 2023? What's the extent to which your spirituality, your needs for love and belonging with God and others might be just under the surface of any New Year's resolutions or hopes you may be carrying? In November, I had the opportunity to go to the Texas Hill Country with a remarkable group of pastors from all over the country on a wellness retreat. One of the outcomes was that each of us was encouraged to create what's called a rule of life. Now, the only time I'd ever heard of a rule of life was for members of religious orders, monks and nuns, And honestly, the association I had with it was that it was kind of a thing of the past, an outdated practice of the church. What I learned, though, is that a rule of life can be deeply transformational. It can be created by anyone seeking to live a deeper life in tune with God. A rule of life can be as simple as a phrase, like the one a friend created. Her rule of life is to participate in the healing of the world, whatever that might mean, any given situation, any given day. Or a rule of life can be incredibly detailed, like the two or three page plan that I read that was developed by a busy executive. What I found was that trying my hand at writing a rule of life for me helps me get clear or clearer on who God is calling me to become and the ways that I might live in order to get there. What I discerned is one of my deeper longings is to get better rest which is why it's a bit ironic that my star word last year was rest. It came to me quite by surprise. Towards the end of last year, I got a card in the mail from one of you, a church member, 
And enclosed was her star word from the previous year, the word rest. She wrote me a lovely note about pastors working hard and how she had journeyed with this word all through the year and found she actually gets enough rest. And she thought perhaps rest should be my word for the coming year. It was the sweetest. So last year, I didn't draw a word out of the basket because my star word had already so lovingly found me. In our 24-7 culture, rest is something that can be hard to come by. Lots of us struggle with rest. Because real, true rest these days almost has to become something of a discipline. And so it was at this retreat in Texas that I got in touch with my deeper longing for real, true rest. And by rest, I'm not just talking about sleep. I mean spiritual rest, the kind of resting we do in God. Rest that's truly restorative and rejuvenating. Rest that is spent delighting in God's presence. And so my rule of life is very much a draft at this point, a work in progress, but it includes regular times to pause and rest more than I have been doing. Regular retreats in silence and solitude. Regular time to pause from the rhythms of life and dwell in the presence of God. As Ruth Haley Barton calls it, it is time as a creature in the presence of of the Creator. Perhaps the star word you draw today will connect with your deeper longing. Perhaps it'll help you recognize the longing or help you attain it. And if your star word doesn't connect in that way, maybe it has another gift to offer you. And if not, well, it's just a star word. It's a tool to help point the way. The good news is that there are lots of things to help point the way in our journeys. Like the story of Bartimaeus, being clear enough to answer Jesus when he asks, what do you want me to do for you? Like the story of the Magi, who saw a star so big and so bright that they simply followed it. Other things that can help point the way are showing up for worship, making time with loved ones, spending time with your church family, making time to pray and read scripture. The irony in some of this is that even when our needs for love and belonging are met, even the closest human relationships can leave us feeling less than complete. Spiritual leaders through the ages have noted that as essential as human connection is, even in the presence of others, we can feel lonely. Some of you know this. But when we take the time to come fully into the presence of God, that sense of loneliness vanishes, 
there's a different kind of communion. To come fully into the presence of God is to be fully known, fully understood, fully accepted. It is to feel complete. Because the love and grace God offers is so complete, there can be no deeper longing than to be fully and completely loved by the divine. In fact, Scripture tells us that God's deepest longing is for us. God's deepest longing is for us. Some human relationships are fortunate enough to come close to mirroring this kind of love. But no human love can be so complete as the love we experience with God. I think this is what Bartimaeus knew when he sprang up and followed. I think this is what the wise ones knew when they dropped everything to follow the star. So I wonder, if Jesus asked you, what would you like me to do for you? What is the one word your deepest place would cry? Would it be mercy, peace, rest, freedom, belonging, love? Something else? I don't mean to imply here that just because we cry out our wish is granted. Too many of us know we are all well aware that that's not how it works. But I believe that there is power in getting clear on our deepest longings. There's power in naming them and bringing them before God. Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? How will you answer? How will you let this new year full of things that have never been guide you and open the way? How will you let a word guide you? How will you let God, with all the things God places in your path, guide you? Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.